0: better tomorrow, and walking you step-by-step out of the darkness into the light. And welcome, Mr. Sheldon Gooch. How are you this
1: morning? I'm doing fantastic. Good morning Uh, to you, and good good morning morning to the radio audience out there. Good
0: morning. Are you excited about this day?
1: I am. I am very excited, because this is the day, if uh, our listeners remember from last week, that we said that we are going to talk about your ministry, the Geneva Foundation Incorporated, as well as I am free incorporated, and uh, so why don't we start with with you, since uh, beauty always goes first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sounds great. But before we start, uh, can you lead us in a in a prayer?
1: Absolutely, Father. We do thank you, Lord God, for this uh, opportunity just to share what great things you've put. Uh, in our hearts and, and in our minds and in our lives, Lord God, the work that you've called uh, both of us to do, and Lord, the, uh, just uh, the opportunity to give you glory through this platform. And Father, we pray for every ear that's listening right now, Lord, that you would give them ears to hear, that they might hear what the Spirit is saying to them, and Lord God, that you would get glory from the change and the impact that would take place as a result Of their tuning in. Father, we pray for them and their needs and whatever they're going through, Lord God, that they would experience uh, the comfort of your presence on this day and we give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' mighty name and we thank you. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, you know, I'm very excited about uh, hearing you talk about the Geneva Foundation and Wow, you in a short period of time, you have done so much through your organization. But b- before we talk about all of those things, let, let me ask you, why did you start the Geneva Foundation? Why did you come up with, with that?
0: You know, many years ago, um, I, I was abused. And, um, you know, uh, my mother taught me a lot of great little nuggets, I would say to help me to get through my process because she knew when she was dying, there were some things that was going to happen. So she wanted to empower me with some different uh, words of wisdom. And so uh, when I decided to start the organization in 2016, uh, the FIT Geneva Foundation was a perfect name for me because it was so much that my mom taught me. And uh you know, I didn't get to tell a lot of people about her, so this is one way that I can express my feelings for my mother
1: wow that that is awesome and, you know and and just knowing the the work that you've done in your ministry, you certainly bring honor to the name of your mother um uh, miss geneva williams so um and so that is why you 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 named it after her
0: absolutely is that absolutely
1: right? um. So tell me what your mission is.
0: You know, because of all the things that happened in my life, and I I was stuck for a long period of time, um, and once I decided that I was not the only person that have gone through any type of abuse, because that's one of the things that we don't want to talk about. We don't want to talk about the things that's going to hurt us or shame us. So once God started to work with me mentally and emotionally with some things that I had, that I had going on with in my own life, you know, this became a mission because I did not want another person to sit and waste years and years of their life, not knowing what they need to do in order to come out of that, that control, whether that person is still here or not they are still controlling from the grave, and Mm, I've had people still controlling me from the grave, so I just, I've always wanted to do something that was going to better somebody else's life. I always wanted to be an asset and never a liability because I had too much liability growing up.
1: Wow. Well, you know, uh, just reflecting back, um, because I've been blessed to know you for uh, close to 23, 24, uh, maybe 25 years, but... I remember you were telling me one time that uh every year uh, at a certain time you would get anxiety and sometimes you would even disappear from everyone um you know tell us tell us about that talk about that if you don't mind
0: you know it was uh, a sad thing i always looked at that as an anniversary of bad things when it first started happening to me and didn't realize you know Anniversaries are something that you celebrate, and yeah. I was so busy coming up on those days and and nights and having the bad dreams and can't sleep at night, knowing that that day was gonna come and It was always so hard the closer it got the the worse that I felt, and yeah. just deciding to do something. <laughs> Differently and understanding that this is not an anniversary, something that you can celebrate. The celebration should have come for me is when God brought me through it. Mm -hmm. And it was a celebration for me within myself of of being able to come through all the bad things that had happened. But just the power of that control again of that person or people are controlling everything that I was doing mentally. You know, because during that time, I always felt all the anxiety, all of the shame, all of the hurt, all of the pain, and and just deciding that there has to be a different way or a different way of of acknowledging these things that had happened, not looking at them as a... Uh, what word am I looking for? Not looking at them as, as something that was... You know, holding me back and making me so depressed, I should have been celebrating my life Mm -hmm. and didn't know how to celebrate my life. Didn't know how to think that what I've gone through was important. Only thing I could think about were the bad things that have happened. Mm -hmm. And it literally put me in the bed. There was times that I would disappear and nobody knew where I was. I would just go stay in a hotel and 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 cry for two or three days, and realize now it's time for you to come home, and <laughs> wow. I, and I would come home, and the next year I go back through the same identical thing.
1: You know, in in studies, they they call that a conditioned stimulus and a mm-hmm. conditioned response. You know, like, um, you know, I remember you saying that a certain cologne or a certain smell uh, would trigger. Mm -hmm. the the anxiety Mm -hmm. and and that type of thing in you, but I don't know if it's okay for me to mention, but it it was around your birthday that you would begin to feel this way. Yes. At a time when you should be getting ready to celebrate.
0: Yes. Yes. Very depressed during that time. Because I remember that day. Very depressed during that time. Mm. Just didn't know how to celebrate life. Only thing I was celebrating was all of the bad things that had happened to me mm. in my life and not being grateful, but I'm so grateful and thankful to God now that I understand differently than I did four or five years ago. And that's, that's one of my missions is to make sure that anybody that have gone through any form of abuse, it doesn't matter what it is, is to understand that you are not alone, that there is always someone that you can talk to, and, and that you're important because, you know, the abuser wants you to think that you're nobody. You're not going to be anybody. Nobody's going to love you. You know, there's so many different seeds that he plants in your head right. that you don't know how to come out of that because it becomes real to you.
1: Wow. It's almost like a brainwash.
0: It is. It is.
1: Mm. Well, let me ask you, how long um, did you carry this pain, this shame, this bitterness. How many years?
0: Uh, Forty-five.
1: Forty-five years yeah. of dealing with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: it was still painful.
0: It was still painful. You know, there there are some days that was better than others. There were some years that was better than others. And one of the things that I learned how to deal with it is to talk to myself. <clears throat> and in talking to myself, I would... <laughs> always go stand in front of the mirror and say, you are important. You are beautiful. It doesn't matter what somebody else say mm. or what somebody call you is what you answer to. So I just start to do that and, and say, you know, you are beautiful. You know, uh, God loves you if nobody else does, you know. Right. And, and I, I remember uh, one of the things that that pushes me to another direction is when somebody tell me I can't do something or I can't have something. I will right. show you that I can and I will. And I did. So that's always important that that becomes a force for for success hmm. is to understand that only person that controls me is me. And it took me a long time to get there. But that's one of the things that did back in the days that controlled me because I was told that so many times.
1: You know, you, and I'm, I'm, I've got the, the fortune of knowing about your story, and I'm going to get off track a little bit here um, because the point that you just made about when someone tells you that you can't do it, you turn around and do it. There was a time when you went to apply for a job and you sat in the employment office all day. <laughs> But then you you had a redemption time where you actually went back to that person. Tell us about that. <laughs> That's part of your story. But that uh, there's I, a lot to learn in this little story right here.
0: I remember wanting to get out of the house and go, you know, and go and do something for myself. And I I went to back then it was called unemployment office. It may still be <laughs> uh, to look for a job. And one of the things that I had taught myself is how to type on an old typewriter, and I would type, and I would um, my skills was pretty good back then, uh, eighty-three words a minute with three mistakes, and I learned how how to do that. And I remember going to the employment service, and they was looking for someone to answer phone and be a secretary, and I said, "Well, what do you what do you have to do?" And she said, "Well, you have to type thirty-five words a minute." And so, I'm like, I can type 35 words a minute. And so, they came in, this young lady did, came in, gave me a typing test, and um, typed 83 words with three mistakes, like I was used to doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she helped me there. You know, she, she said, well, go and sit outside. We got some other people that was coming in. And I got there about 9 o'clock in the morning, 8.30 9 o'clock in the morning but they went to lunch I'm still sitting there all the other people that have come in and taken typing tests and all this stuff they had come and left and I'm still sitting there and so the person that gave me the test I overheard her talking to one of the other ladies and she says do you still have that girl sitting out there? (laughs) and she said yeah she's still out there she ain't got nothing to do and which hurt my feelings because I'd been sitting there all day waiting for an answer on a job. And, uh, and I, and she asked the, the young lady, are, are you going to hire? Her? She says, no, she will, uh, type us all under the table. She, that girl does 80 minutes, uh, 80 words a minute. So no, we're not going to hire her. She, she's going to make us look bad. And so the other girl said, well, why not? She qualifies for it. She only has to do 30 words a minute and answer the phone. I'm sure she can do that. And she says, no, I'm not going to hire her. She's a pretty girl. She can get a job somewhere else. Mm. And that really, really, really hurt my feelings. Number one, you disrespected me by keeping me there out of your own selfishness. And you turn around and say, she's a pretty girl. She can Somebody will hire her which didn't make any sense because I qualified for the job, which was something simple, answer the phone and type 30 words a minute. And so on my way out the door, there was a young lady that came, and she asked me what was I doing there, and I told her I'm looking for a job. And she said, well, they're hiring at Country Brook Living Center. And I said, what kind of job is that? And she says, "Uh, it's a nursing home. And I ended up going to the nursing home uh, to work. And at that time, it was called Nurses Aid. And we assist the nurses, you know, uh on the low totem pole. But that was I was excited about it. I remember I was making three dollars and thirty-five cents an hour I never will forget my first check for two weeks was two hundred and eighty-two dollars and some cents. I was so excited about making money on my own, you know, and prior to that, you know, growing up in a small community. They would always say, "You can go get on welfare and I always saw welfare as a crutch. this is just my own personal opinion that you get stuck in a in a place and I remember I'm going to apply for welfare uh, a check that was for sixty dollars for my daughter, and I'm thinking I cannot do this all my life and so when when I got my first check, I went back to the welfare department. <laughs> And gave them sixty dollars because I wanted to repay the government back
1: wow. because I
0: did not want my life to be that way. I've always expected better for myself.
1: That is amazing. That is amazing. So, can we fast forward? Sure. And talk about the insurance awards that you <laughs> that you received. In other words, you went back to those people.
0: Yes, I went back to the young lady that. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't go back. I sent the, I sent her an, um, a a certificate, copy of a certificate that I had uh, was awarded through my insurance company. I left the nursing home, went to my insurance company, and I had a gentleman there that actually taught me how to sell. He actually saved my life. He truly saved my life because he respected me and he taught me how to sell insurance and there was hard times when I say I can't do this and he'll listen to me and he'll say okay now let's go to work. The biggest thing was let's go to work. It'll take care of all the problem. So I started to little small things, little small awards. I would be employee of the, of the month. And I just thought that was the most wonderful thing ever, that I could beat other people that was in that same circle that had all kinds of degrees, but they were selling insurance. So I made copies of it, and at the bottom of it, I would send it to this lady that that said uh, I wasn't going to be anybody or or anything. Uh, I'm a pretty girl, actually, that she'll get another job. And I would take that, and I would write on the bottom of it, And I would say, thank you for the motivation. And I would send it to her. And no matter what I did or what kind of accomplishment I had, I sent her copies of everything that I did. And everything would say, I thank you for the motivation. And that helped me to want to move forward in my life to know that I could achieve. So I started setting small goals to achieve. And then it got bigger and bigger. So I think it was back 10 years, 10, 12 years ago, I stopped sending her things <laughs> after she passed. So oh, that wow. was back in 83 to 10 years ago.
1: Well, I tell you what, I know she got tired of re- reliving uh, that regret. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, I got something else to ask you here. Your recent activities with your ministry. I know you've done a lot. Um, first of all, let's let's talk about the twelve week class that you do, and uh, just just you know do a quick summary of that because I want to talk about the legacy.
0: Okay, twelve uh, week class. We uh, had one class in Grenada, Mississippi, which was uh, one of the first ones that was done. And basically what it was, uh, it was different age group from the age group of 14 to 74. Yes, 74. That had gone through some type of mentally, emotionally, physical, sexual, or even spiritual abuse. And what we did was we uh, opened the door for people to talk about their own experiences. And once we talked about the experiences, that's how the curriculum came about, is actually talking about the exact things that have happened in each one of the people's lives. And we built the curriculum around those things. I see. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we started out with that. And, you know, it, and it's amazing because you learn so much by just listening to other people. And one of the things that I wanted to do, I just didn't want to go tell my story. But I wanted substance, something uh that they can get out of it that they could take for a lifetime if necessary. Hmm. So that's that's what I did. I Went see. there and took care of that and it's you but know. But there was a
1: graduation as well, wasn't Yeah, it?
0: we had a graduation. Uh, there was about eighty five to a hundred people that came out to support um support the group that we had. And it was very, very good. And one of the things that we did, we just didn't want to, like I say, just go and have a class. But the class was a celebration of new life and new beginning. So we went through that whole entire thing. We had a a great time. Uh, I still get calls and text messages from the students that went through the class, and they are so grateful. Uh, If I can, tell a short story.
1: Yes.
0: There was one... uh, um, Ladies that was over seventy, she says um, one of her biggest thing is her husband talked differently to her, and so she just got tired of it. One day she said, "I just got tired of it, and I can remember what we were going through the class. It was nothing about con- but control." And she says that one Friday night he came in, he just started talking, 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 and I told him to go, go out. <laughs> And he kept right on talking, so I got up to close my door, and he stood in the door, and he was just still talking, do this, do this, do this, and I just got tired. I looked on my dresser, and there was a can of roach spray, and she said, I grabbed that roach spray, and I started spraying him. And he went outside and he told my daughter, he said, I don't know what's wrong with your mother. She in there since she been going to that class, she just act like she all important. <laughs> and uh he said, Dad she said, Daddy, what's wrong with you? And she said, She in there spraying me with spray. Uh roach spray. And I asked her, why did you spray him with roach spray? She said, because he was a big old cockroach.
1: <laughs> and she was tired of him bugging <laughs> she <was> tired,
0: her. <laughs> she was tired of him bugging her. And it's amazing because they yeah. learned so, so many different little skills. Yeah. Um, and I know the same lady, she hadn't seen her sister in a, in a long time. And so she decided that she was going to go and spend some time with her sister, which was good. And different stories about that, uh, one of the young ladies, she was always getting into a fight, being angry. And I was telling them, sometimes you just have to be still, you know. And we were giving them little nuggets to help them uh, with their their anger and their frustration. And she came back to tell me that she was so grateful that she had gone through the class Because I can remember the time that I would curse somebody out and get a knife because my knife was my weapon of choice. And she said, "And, and this time I found myself walking away from my own house, which was something very different for me because I'm used to fighting, arguing, whatever it takes to get that person off of me. That's what I would do. But this time I took a walk and I felt better from the walk.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Well, you know what you were um, talking about about these ladies, and I, I was fortunate to get a chance to meet the, these women, and they do they 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 uh, they say their lives have been changed. Um, but you you know you were giving them a new beginning, and that's the name of this broadcast, and that's what the purpose of it is is to bring about new beginnings for those people who are going through uh, the all the the issues that they face uh, on today's. Uh, in, in, the, in these times, so that is awesome. So now let's talk real quick about uh, what you've done recently. Like for example, uh, I know a couple of months ago you embarked on Legacy One Thousand. Let's talk about that.
0: Yes, Legacy One Thousand. Um, you know the same book that I have uh, that that was written about my mom. I wanted to be able to take that book and make an impact on somebody else's life. And basically what we what we did, we called the, the book, uh, the, the program that we was doing, Legacy 1000, because we know that over 79% of the women in the prison system has been in prison, uh, has been abused, actually, mm-hmm. before they got to prison. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I wanted to do is to be able to give them Something to think about, you know, because if you think about something differently, most times you would do something differently. Mm. And I know that the little nuggets in the book actually saved my entire life because I could always reflect back on whatever situation that was coming up in my life, things that my mom had told me to do, like stay on the road, less travel by, you know. Or, or if there's 10 women in the room, make sure you're the lady. Mm-hmm. And a lady always carry herself with respect. And I just wanted to do something actually different and give them some type of hope that no matter what you go through, it doesn't mean that that's a place for you to stay. That is a learning experience. You have to learn the lesson. You have to acknowledge the lesson. And you have to change based on what you have learned. And not only change, and but you have to help somebody else with their process as well.
1: That's right. Absolutely. Well, um, and so, so there were 1,000 books that you're actually giving away? It's
0: 1,000 books, but I found out a couple of months before uh, we give away the first 300 is that in the last three, three and a half months... There has been over 500 women that has, um, that's now in the prison system based on whatever issues that they have. Mm -hmm. So it's gone from 1,000 to 1,500 as of right now. But the goal is to put the first 1,000 books in the prison system in the state of Mississippi.
1: That's a, that's an incredible work right there. Um, so, and, and, and we know from those books as, as inmates leave, Many times they leave the books with them and their beds, um, get taken by the newcomers, right. and so the exposure that you actually get on that um, it really has unlimited potential. Right. What about um, you know some of your goals? You know what? What are your? Let's just do a, a, a one short range and one long range.
0: One short range is to be able to have monthly classes um, with people that truly want to change their life, to be able to have you know a couple classes in, in, in different different areas of town and to have a safe place that someone can go and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the long-term goal is to be able to implement uh, this program from dark to light to uh, to have a nation a statewide program in the state of Mississippi mm-hmm. and that's in every county, possible that we want to see people women get free
1: well you know as we've traveled around the state talking to people about various different things and it comes up it seems like every county's the people there say we have an epidemic here it's just crazy here and we've just come to find out that it's just rampant everywhere
0: yeah it's it's actually everywhere and you know what uh, the most amazing thing is now People are beginning to talk about it a little bit at a time, you know, for years and years and years, you know, what goes on in the house stays in the house. Yeah. But people, as we start to move outside of what happened 30 years ago into the, I guess, twenty is that life is much different than it was back then. Back then, there was shame. It was embarrassment. Mm-hmm. You don't want anybody to know. You was an outcast. Um, and I remember when uh, younger girls was taken out of the house and, and actually placed in other family members' house because the oldest had been raped uh, because they said that that child was spoiled. Mm. So it's right. it's just a men, it's mentally and emotionally. Sometimes we think that uh, sexual abuse is, is is the hardest thing, and it is. But it's the mental part of that that goes on and on and on for the rest of your life.
1: Well, that is um, so powerful, and and I just know that um, I've seen the difference that you have made, and I'm and I'm. You're right. I've seen the people come out of the woodworks to tell you their stories. And um, we are approaching times when people mm-hmm. are, are getting more open and free to share. Um, you know, we got the Me Too movement out there, mm-hmm. um, but it's more too than that particular organization. It's just everyone's ready to talk about it. Um, what are some um, needs that uh, your ministry need?
0: Uh, you know, uh, we always need money, of course. Uh, we also need uh, printers copiers uh paper just the basic things that any office would need Mm -hmm. One, our goal is to look for a van that will actually help us to pick up individuals and their children and take them to church so that's That's one of the things that we are looking at as well
1: that is good okay and so in closing um what are some steps? I mean, I, I know we're going to go, and ladies and gentlemen, those of you who are listening, we're going to go through some steps um, to freedom, steps out of the darkness in our next uh, episode, which will be the next Monday, same time, same place. But maybe you you can give an example of one particular step um, that you'd like to share.
0: You know, one of the things is is the power for me is in acknowledging you know and not and and even though bad things happen in in our lives, you know, not to get stuck there, just know that your life has a meaning. It is important because when God purpose you, no matter what it is that you're going going on in your life, you know that is something has been decided even before. Uh, you was conceived in your mother's womb. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we don't understand when things happen, there's a purpose for that. And that purpose is, I believe, is to be able to be a benefit to someone else once you come out of that trial and tribulation that you've gone in, you know, gone through. And sometimes we get hung up and, and I don't, you know, I don't love myself because of this reason or because of what somebody else said. You know, you have to understand that God is the one that made you, and he made you in his own image. It does not matter what somebody else thinks. You could be buck-eyed, cross-eyed. <laughs> it does not matter. That is what God chose for you, and he gave you life. So you have to take the things that God has given you and embrace those things, but yet and still learn the lesson and go teach it to somebody else.
1: Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful. Well, um, thank you so much uh, for feeling so free to share. And ladies and gentlemen, you know, um, when you start unveiling yourself and pulling the the covers off of yourself, um, it's not always easy. Even though your purpose is to help somebody else, um, it's the sacrifice. Um, You know, the Bible says that, uh, you know, how we look to Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of, of our faith. Who, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, you know, the, the 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 cross was a shameful thing, and he had to deal with that. But the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. In other words, he knew that on the other side of the shame and 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 uh, the death and the uh, that he had to experience, he knew that we would all have access to life, and and also have access to heaven. He knew that that uh um you know we ha- he was gonna b- buy the redemption of all of mankind through his shed blood and the shame that he had to go through. So thank you for dealing with this and, and opening up and, and allowing the world to to see who Miss Colleen Sanders is.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Absolutely, thank absolutely. You. So um Now, I guess we're going to shift gears.
0: We're going to shift gears, and I get the opportunity to ask you some questions, Mr. Gooch. (laughs) Okay. You know, uh, like I said the last time I I read your book, and there's just so many incredible things that's in there. And and if you look at it, you would think, you know, years ago, you would have already been gone, but God had a purpose. You know, for your life, and no matter what the trials and tribulations that you've gone through, he still bought you out with your hands up. Mm. So that is, that is a, um uh, that is a testimony by itself. I know that you started an organization, Nonprofit 501c3. Uh, I am free. Um, tell me a little bit about I'm free and why did you choose that name, I'm free?
1: Well, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I chose the name because when I was in prison and uh, I had a life sentence plus 60 years, um, I was locked up in more ways than one. I was locked into a behavior that I couldn't free myself from. I was locked into uh, the prison, again, which I could not free myself from. And But my spirit was, was bound as well. And when I became a Christian November eighteenth, nineteen eighty two, um, there in Parchment Prison in Mississippi, um, two days later, I I was just excited. I mean I was excited from the from the moment that I gave my life to Christ, but two days later I was in the shower singing. And I I you yeah. know I do my biggest concerts in the shower. You know, okay. I can hear the water okay. and I'll be scrubbing and getting down. That you know, when I hear the water it sounds like the crowd going, hey, you know, anyway. <laughs> and so, uh, but I just, these words just started coming to me. I was so weary, sick and tired of sin, and I knew my life was about to end. I had run from God for so long, just a fugitive, but I knew there must be a better way to live. And I said, oh, well, this is rhyming. And I wrote it down, and it became the title cut of an album I recorded in prison called I Am Free." and that was a miracle in itself just to do that but that became my mantra and i began to say i'm free every day from that point on uh even though i had years to to stay there um i saw myself as free not only from the slavery and bondage of sin but i began to see myself as free from the prison facility and so it again it became my mantra my favorite scripture became um, John eight thirty six mm-hmm. that if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed, and I felt free indeed, even though I was still incarcerated physically. So that's where the name came from.
0: Man, that is uh, that is amazing. You know, I I uh, hear, had the pleasure of meeting uh, this young lady that took you under her wings and actually saw some things in you that you didn't see in yourself. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about this lady? Oh,
1: yeah. Well, you know, she's She is really, um, you know, I just give God all sort of praise and gratitude uh, for Miss Wendy Hatcher, who was the chaplain in the prison for over 30 years. And unlike a lot of chaplains, um, she had a real concern for the lost soul. And what I mean by that is a lot of um, people who are in chaplaincy positions, you know, they deliver death messages and tracts and they provide the opportunity for uh, religious services to come into the facility. But she she was just hard at trying to get souls saved. And I was a tough case. And she just kept on telling me, God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And she kept saying, you're a winner and a champion, and you're an inspiration, and God's going to use you. And um, I just, you know, I argued with her about that. But over time, um, I began to internalize what she was saying, and I began to dare to believe some of what she said. And um, it was through her influence and um, her discipleship, really, that... uh, put me in a position where I could actually walk free from the place.
0: You know, and, and I also read about uh, Governor um, Bill Elaine,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who actually, pardon you, is that correct?
1: Yes. Um, you know, the, Governor Bill Elaine, uh, rest his soul, um, was mm-hmm. approached by, I, I'm told there were thousands of people who were trying to talk to him about releasing me because uh, Miss Hatcher had made it possible for, as a trustee for me to travel around speaking in churches. And all of these preachers and all these Christians from all over the state were um, inundating the governor's office saying, uh, let this man go. And um, he did just that. But he did it in a, in a way that only God could get the glory. Because three weeks before they released me from prison, uh, I got word that i was not going to be getting out um i had too much time and i had some very hideous crimes with some you know extraordinary circumstances and uh i did something that was just illogical and crazy uh when i got that word i went back into the housing unit and stood on the table and said god is about to do something big and they said you know you've lost your mind but but um you know the bible says in proverbs 21 and one at the heart of the king who at that time was Bill Elaine uh, is in the hand of the Lord, and He turns it in the way that He wills it, and that's uh, and that's what happened. Um, three weeks after that, I got that bad report. They said we're going to let you go, and they did that.
0: They you know, it's that. it's amazing how God works. You know, man can say no, mm. but only God can say say yes, and mm-hmm. that is so important. You know, there's an, I, I remember meeting you. Many, many, many years ago, but you had no clue. And I happened to be sitting, watching the Oprah Winfrey show. And I don't know how many years ago that was, but I I remember there was, it was called Forgiveness Day, I believe, with Oprah Oprah Winfrey and and some people that was there that had been (laughs) hurt by you. Mm. And actually... You came up, they they told the story, and then you came up, and the most powerful thing that I felt that day is that they accept your apology of forgiveness. Mm. So tell us a little bit about that as well.
1: Wow, yes. Um, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> now, you, you know, when I got out of prison, um, people were calling me to come speak and to sing everywhere. And every time I passed through the community, Where I did the most damage, uh, I would feel unrest, like, uh, you know, just, you know, there's a chapter that hadn't been closed there. And so once I was invited to do a crusade in that county, not realizing um, that that's, you know, I was going to be in a crowd of those people uh, of that community. And, but I accepted and I was there and I sang and I, and I spoke and shared my testimony. But then afterwards, they came up and they were saying, um, you know, I, I was moved by your testimony. And by the way, in the testimony, I was compelled to ask that community to forgive me. Well, make the long story short, there was one gentleman that came up afterwards and, and he wouldn't let my hand go. And he said, young man, the last, you don't remember me, but the last time I saw you, I was looking down the barrel of your nine millimeter. And as a result of all of that, turmoil that you put me through I gave my life to Christ and I've been praying for you ever since and uh, we wept together uh, in the middle of that crowd and he basically said you know I forgive you and I'm in the same place and I want to spend some time with you um, not long after that um, I got a call from the Oprah show and said uh, we want to bring you here and allow you to reconcile with your crime victims. And that was a kind of a scary thing for me because I really didn't know what to expect. And so when I got there and I heard them telling their story, um, you know, we always know our side of it. But when I heard their side of it, 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 I was really touched. And I was able to ask them to forgive me. And I told them, you know, I give you a blank check if I can make your life easy, whatever I can do. Um, but I apologized to them, and they they just embraced me, and uh, and one of them said, you know, I gave my life to Christ uh, as a result of that too, and I've been praying for you, and and uh, we we're all friends now. So only God can do that.
0: Oh, amen. That is amazing. You know, I I know a lot of things that you've done. I know that you've been spoke in over seven hundred churches in the state of Mississippi. And you're going outside of that now. So what do you see for the ministry and how important the ministry is to you and what you do?
1: Okay. Well, you know, uh, what I've been doing as far as ministry is uh, I've been speaking in a lot of churches and schools. and But I've been in over 37 prisons around the country. And just recently, um, I decided to start the 501C3. I'm free incorporated, and and use the a curriculum that I developed really that that God inspired while I was locked up. Um, People ask me all the time, you know, how is it that you can be a school dropout and you can have all these strikes against you, and you can come from the worst conditions, and yet you know you're an executive at a top executive at a company, or you're the vice president of United Way, or you you're the overseer over uh, over millions of dollars you know how do they trust you like that Um, but God inspired in me a a process and I call it the can I curriculum C-A-N-A-I which stands for continuous and never-ending improvement and I began to go on that journey of improving myself and getting better every day and people just recognize that and so uh, a year ago I decided to take a systematic approach to administering the curriculum and working with ex-offenders, which I've been doing, um, you know, for 31 years, but I decided, you know, to really put the program together so that we can, um, you know, help ex-offenders as they come out of prison. And, uh, but the, but the program and the information is good for anybody. So, but that's what I'm, I'm focusing on right now is helping ex-offenders, um i actually have a house uh, that can house uh up to 3 right now and um so we're just working on helping them chart their course for a new life
0: that's absolutely wonderful What you're doing. Um, One of the things we want to talk about, what is your short-term and long-term goals? And also, what are your needs? What's on your need list that you need? Oh,
1: wow. Do you really want to go there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We got 15 minutes. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. Well, just in the short term, uh, again, I I, I want to uh, have the house occupied. Um, I, I plan to do online classes Um, for people who are getting out of prison Um, as a matter of fact I was in a prison last weekend in Texas and the chaplain there was talking about the prospect of actually plugging into some of the online classes so the people who are going to be released soon can actually get uh, the the program but but that's what I want to be able to do in the short run is to be able to you know get the information out. I'm more interested in getting the information out than I am about getting paid for it. That's how serious it is. however, um I do need the money and uh to make it all happen long range um I want to do the same thing that uh, you want to do and have a have a statewide uh operation um, that can potentially be duplicated in other states as well, so I'm just real excited about
0: it and your needs other than
1: uh, the needs um, is, is money but other than money uh, more money <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but but no but mainly that's that's it it's the funding um, I too will need transportation as, as as I get guys and work with them on workplace ethics um, anger management um, you know how to communicate effectively in the in the in the workplace um, time management, uh, you know, personal finance—these are all the life skills that we'll be teaching them. And then, you know, also how to, t- you know, fill out an application and do a resume, and, and, and most importantly, how to answer tough interview questions. You realize if a person's been locked up ten years, they have a ten-year gap on their resume. The question is going to come up: <laughs> What did you? Why do, What's this gap about? And uh, and you know, I know how to overcome those. Um, those questions, uh, you know, when I got asked that question, uh, I had already saw it on the application Have you been convicted of a felony? Yes, no, if yes, explain. And so I would put a a big red star next to that question and write down, I can't wait to answer this question or I can't wait to explain. And I always got the interview. And in the preliminaries, they would say, What do you know about the company and all of that? And I'd give them all the information because I will have done my homework. Then I would say, with all due respect, can we get to the obvious question where the red asterisk is in the middle of the page? And they say, yeah, tell us about this 10-year, 12-year, 15-year gap. And I'd say um, that was the time when I spent that amount of time working on personal growth and professional development, preparing myself to stand before you right here, right now. Now, how many people in your leadership have had an opportunity to do that? And, you know, I just posed the question. They thought about it, thought how positive it was. And um, and I've had nothing but really, really good jobs. Well, I try to transfer that to people who are looking for jobs and show them how to, you know, to have confidence going into the interview. Um, but all of this takes takes funding. When they do get a job or if they're going to apply for a job, they'll need transportation. Absolutely. So, you know, I'll be taking them back and forth to work until they can get on their feet. I'll be taking them back and forth. And forth to interviews, and um, so the transportation will be a necessity. Clothing. Um, I can take a, a person fresh out of prison and for $200 get them a full, complete wardrobe, and um, and, and that's going gonna to be one of the things that they need. So, um, you know, those are, you know, some of the things that, that we need uh, in the long run.
0: You know, I think at the end of the day, we want to be able to be a blessing for someone else and actually help someone through a process and maybe even help someone and give them something that that we didn't get. I know for mm-hmm. myself, there are some things that I didn't get, so I'm always eager to help somebody else mm-hmm. walk through their journey, no matter what that journey may be. Right. So at this time, I would like to thank you, Mr. Gooch.
1: Well, thank thank you. you so
0: very much, uh, and we're looking forward to uh, next Monday, right?
1: Next Monday. <laughs> next when, Monday. When we will be breaking down parts of our program, um, and also, uh, if you'll go to the Facebook page, New Beginnings Radio, um, there will be some uh, information on there that you can, hopefully we'll have a phone number by then, And people can actually call in and talk about um, their stories. Um, We want to hear from other people and we want to hear what they want to talk about. Many times they're going through something and they don't have anybody to talk to. They can remain anonymous, um, but, you know, we will be able to discuss that and and also be able to offer maybe some suggestions.
0: It Sounds great. uh, Sounds great. So before we leave, we want to leave you with a short prayer.
1: Well, Father, again, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Father, I thank you for the Geneva Foundation and what um, the the work that you have outlined for it and for Colleen Sanders and the heart and the passion uh, with which she drives her organization. Father, I thank you for I'm Free. Father, I thank you for the listeners that are out there that are tuning in and I pray, Lord God, you would meet their needs. Lord, you know what they are. Um, We just pray that something that this program that we'll say or sing or offer uh, would be meaningful to them and make their day blessed and also make their their week blessed. We give you praise and honor and glory, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen Amen. Amen. and amen. amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, here at New Beginnings Radio. This is Sheldon Gooch, along with my co-host, Ms. Colleen Sanders. We will see you next week at 7 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time on Monday, every Monday. You don't want to miss any of the episodes. We will have special guests, and at some point we'll be able to take your phone calls and to be able to chat with you live. And so, again, thank you. We are planting seeds today for a better tomorrow and helping you take progressive steps towards your freedom. Have a super fantastic week, and God bless you.